obviously the uh, that part's one of the most integral because you know that's rely that's that's what the money's relying on and <clears throat> end of the day you want you want that money as quickly as well, possible yeah. well yeah you want the money and it's not like you can just make the call and being like tony we're at 50 percent. send me my cash <laughs> i use that analogy we're at, we're at 80 percent right? now yeah that, that pot of cash at the end of the driveway because that's the, the common misconception on a construction loan so yeah mitigating risk and but at the same time making sure that we get the money to where it needs to go that's it's a balancing act you're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello! We're back oh. and I'm yelling. It's uh, the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. That music cut off quick today. Uh, I'm Paul Stevenson. I'm here with Greg Campbell. I'm here with David Warren. We've got a special guest who's not here yet, but will be soon. Wow. I am one of the owners of Referral Mortgages. <laughs> yeah, let's go, Paul. Let's go. Also a mortgage agent, uh, Greg Campbell, managing director, realtor, the agency, Ottawa. The agency, Ottawa. And David Warren, owner, mortgage agent at Referral Mortgages. Gentlemen, how was the weekend? I'm going to skip the even. I'm going to skip the, the sponsors today. We'll do that at the end. Let's get right into it. Weekend was good. Um, I, Anna, Anna was away. My wife was away, uh, on a, on a girl's trip. So I had the, the, my kids, uh, running around with me Friday and Saturday, a little bit of play, a little bit of business. So it was pretty cool. They got to see about three properties, meet some, meet some people <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then, you know, and that was about it, but I did, uh, you know, as we mentioned before we came on, Paul, I did a, I did a big open house and no one came. Lonely Greg. Greg. Lonely. Very disheartening. Beautiful, that beautiful prop, country property that I have, mm -hmm. 232 St. Thomas Road, Vars, Russell. Um, please look it up online, 232 St. Thomas Road, 40 acres, single home with a guest house, massive uh, steel outbuilding. You could do a, a garage for vehicles, uh, storage for whatever, whatever you want to do in there, private pond, mm -hmm. tons of trees. Anyways, call me for that one. Check it out online. Thank you. But big goose egg on the attendance. It's terrible. I had food. I had music. Nothing. Snacks. It's just me, me and Luke America just hanging out, eating food. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to tunes. Yeah. That's funny. And, and, and Dave, you had a party last weekend, didn't you? Up at the cottage? We had a little, we had a little cottage shindig yeah, on Saturday. Um, yeah, we haven't had one since we... Uh, Bought it in 2020, so we uh, we had a little band up there. We had uh, nice. you know all the friends, uh, kids, and families up. It was a it was a good time. Beautiful weather for it, so no complaints. Um, uh, you know, slept slept for about 11 hours last night to uh, you know get the body back into uh, <laughs> into shape. Good, yeah. Need that default mode. Well, yeah. you know what, and I think I think a lot of people were out doing like uh, you know summer stuff because this weekend was like the first real hot weekend. People Summer were in things. the lake or in the pool and, you know, just doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, should we get into it, gentlemen? I have Let's to say it. about the intro, I, I appreciate awkward pauses, which is why sometimes I just hold off on things just to see what happens. Makes us nervous, <laughs> Paul. Those pauses. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have a guest. We haven't had a guest in a while, actually. And we've been talking about bringing on a guest for many weeks. So uh, we do have an amazing guest with us today. And I know people have been kind of asking us lots of questions about this, and uh, we're happy to have uh, Tony Cook with us today. So Tony Cook is the business development manager for 
Eastern Ontario uh, for an organization called Pillar, Pillar Financial Services. So, Tony, welcome to the show. There he is, oh, sitting on his farm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rural themed, so as, you, as I'll get into it, but thanks for having me on. For sure, for sure. So maybe if you, if you can, maybe just give, us, uh, give our listeners a, an intro to yourself. Yeah. Tony Cook, and then uh, and then an intro into Pillar as well. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know Tony, uh, I'm uh, with Pillar Financial, uh, BDM for Eastern Ontario. I do have a construction background. I spent 15 years as a general contractor, so I know the industry quite well. Um, my kids really didn't want any part of it. I wasn't ready to retire, so I wanted to change and pivot and do something different. And lo and behold, um, you know, pillar came knocking at, at uh, one point. And so for those of you who don't know, we're an alternative lender and we have a focus clearly on, as you can see in the background, we do a lot of rural lending, uh, rural first, but uh, our real forte is construction finance. And we do a lot of residential construction finance and it doesn't have to be rural. We do it inside the cities, a lot of infills. I know you folks do a lot of that. Uh, we focus on that. Um, <clears throat> broad scope all through Ontario. We don't have any real lending restrictions uh, with the exception of least crown and indigenous, but yeah, I mean, 80 to 85% of our portfolio typically is construction finance. Pillar's been around for, we're coming up on 40 years actually. So next year will be 40 years, second generation run family business. Very unique. We're, we're uh, headquartered out of Charlotte Lake, Ontario. So we've been talking a little bit about the cottage. So even if I can't be to the cottage and I have to go up to the office, it's not really too bad. The patio <laughs> out back, it's right on Charlotte Lake. And I'll post the odd picture on Facebook and people will say, it must be nice. You're working from the cottage. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm working from <laughs> the, the office. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. I know. Um, yeah. For those of you that don't know, um, Pillar focuses, like Tony said, solely on, you know, primarily on construction mortgages. Um, for those that are in the industry, you might have heard of them or, or for some of you buyers, but I know it's a big challenge for, uh, for borrowers and, and home buyers, you know, to get construction financing and the conventional banks, uh, your big six that they, uh, the way they structure them from a qualifying perspective or from, what's called a draw perspective. So as you're going through a construction project, um, your big six will typically have, you know, different draw points, meaning points of time in which you can get funds for your build. So you have to get to 35% of the project complete, 65 and then 95% complete. And you're only getting money at that point. You're not getting any money in between. And so Pillar is number one, really flexible on qualifying. As an example, just gave me an approval on a construction deal on Friday. The people, it's a construction, small construction company. They've only been in business for seven months. So they incorporated in November of last year and, uh, and they were still able to, to do the deal for me with these, uh, these, bo these borrowers, whereas, you know, your conventional bank, they're going to look for a minimum of two years history and, and the whole gambit. Um, but in this case, pillar will allow you to get construction funds on a regular basis. You can be, you know, 10% on your project, 5%. You know, I've had draws for clients at even, uh, at even 4%. Um, you're kind of able to get money constantly flowing into your, into your project. Cause I'd say, you know, coming from a construction background, Tony, that, uh, you know, if you don't have money flowing into your project, you're kind of, uh, you're kind of stuck, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit, you hit a few points there that, that were very salient. I mean, at the end of the day, being able to get that cash flow and mirroring up that cash flow with the contractor needs, right? Because really at the end of the day, it's about keeping that project on track and getting it completed. So, with having an unlimited number of draws, we can really work with the contractors and the, and even the self-builds out there to get things 
keep things moving and keep, get things to completion because ideally that's what we want to do. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you, you're working with the builders only have seven months in the business and that's fine too. We'll look at that. I mean, we can qualify that client looking at the background as well. We are able to um, have people in, that are incorporated use our services as well. So uh, we try and keep it broad spectrum. Again, we've had about 40 years to develop what we think is a pretty good solution or platform for it. And uh yeah, a lot of the contractors that use us really love love using the system. Mm-hmm. So I would say, that, I mean, we we deal with this stuff a little more frequently probably than most of our listeners. So maybe if we can even take a step back and just go through, like I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what the process of getting financing for construction looks like, Tony. So sure. if I'm just a, a regular home buyer and I own a home currently, but you know I have this dream of building my, my dream home on Charbot Lake, um, like what are the processes, what do I have to do to get to that point? Like, you know, how do I get the land? How do I actually finance it? Like, what does that process look like yeah. for someone who's, who has that dream of building their own home? Well, absolutely. And I mean, for hopefully right away that the clients have called you guys because you, you're also experts <laughs> in the field, right? So, and I Greg mean, will find the land for it. So, I mean, we're, Greg we're will find the land. Once Greg finds the land, he's going to refer you on because we don't deal with the clients directly. We, we rely on our partners like referral mortgages to, uh, to bring us the, bring us the business and bring us the clients. So yeah, if your client's looking to build, ideally, you know, they're going to find a nice piece of land that they want to build on. And it's like, okay, well, what's the next step? So uh, putting in an application, obviously. So we need to look at a few things. Um, First of all, we're going to take a look at the land itself. Then we're going to look at hopefully your client at this point has some plans put together so that we can take a look at the land and the plans to determine, you know, what's this house going to be worth once it's done, right? So, you know, maybe it's worth a million bucks when it's done. That's great. So we'll end up to 75% of that, um, of that as if completed value. So as you mentioned earlier, uh, David, we're talk about the draws and it, you know, construction financing is draw based. The biggest misconception with construction financing is clients think that there's a big pot of cash at the end of the driveway that they can just dip into whenever they want. It's not the case. Uh, typically if they own the land outright, we can do uh, 65%. We can pull the equity out of the land to get them going on the build, okay? So backing up again a little bit, we wanna look at the land. We need to get an appraisal done in order to find out what we're working with. Then we need to look at the full set of plans. Um, your clients have to put together a costing of what the bill is going to be so that we can do the analytics and take a look at the scope of the build. So we'll look at the, you know, the appraisal, the plans, the costs, and all that will we'll take all that into consideration in order to, to get them the financing. So moving forward, once they're starting to put shovels in the ground, again, we can pull that equity out of the land, use that 65%, and they can use that money to start things with the foundation and the framing, et cetera. Because subsequent draws or advances after that are based on percentage complete. So we advance money as work progresses. It's not the other way around. And that's important to note when you are doing construction financing. But because we have unlimited number of draws, it's fairly flexible. We don't like to see the time between draws go much past 45 days. So when you are working with your contractor, you know, they're going to want to get deposits. They're going to want to get, you know, pay their trade. So keeping that cash flow going is what we like to see as well. So again, with the unlimited number of draws, it's, it's a better way to facilitate some of the other institutions that David mentioned, you know, typically you're looking at three draws, 60, 90 days between draws is a Mm -hmm. long time to go without paying your contractor. Um, The other nice thing is working with us, is 
we try to align the contractor with the draws. And if you take a look at the uh, progress inspection report, a lot of times we'll talk with the contractors and say, you know what, your foundation is worth 12% of the build. Okay, so we'll advance 12% of the construction costs. So if you focus on things that get done the quickest, your, your client, our client or your clients are going to get the cash the quickest and then your contractors are going to get paid. So there's that flexibility component. Um, the other nice thing, too, is the clients with Pillar, they don't make any payments during the construction phase. We understand that people have other obligations. They could be in their existing home or paying rent. Or in the case of David's client, a cons- you know, he's a he's a contractor or a builder, you know, he doesn't have to make payments either. The interest that's accrued gets deducted from each draw. So that allows for a lot of flexibility, whether you're a homeowner making a mortgage payment on your existing home, because, you know, once the dust settles, a lot of people will have sold that home, moved into the new one or renting it out, what have you. But wouldn't it be nice during that construction phase that they don't have to worry about that extra payment? Same goes for the contractor. Contractors want to focus on paying their sub trades, getting their materials, and not having to make pillar a payment during the construction phase it makes things roll a lot easier. So as things progress, once the, ho- once the home's complete, you know, at the very beginning, uh, David and Paul are going to work on an exit strategy because at the end of the, the theme with Pillar 2 is we're a short-term lender, okay, a gap lender. So construction financing, you know, a few years ago it would have been seven to t- 10 months. Now we're sort of seeing the, the cycle go from, you know, seven to 12 months and beyond. But the theme is we want to be short-term. So our focus and our specialty is to focus on construction. Once the build's complete, David and Paul, they're going to transition the client back into the traditional lending stream. And and, I mean, that gives the client flexibility because not all lenders will do that. They'll say, fine, if you you want to come to us, you have to lock in for maybe a two, three, sometimes even a five-year term. Whereas with Pillar, we understand our lane and we stay in our lane. Short term, get the construction done, and then you can take that client and get them back into the mainstream. The whole key is to get the house built on time within reason budget, within a budget reason, you know, and, and move them forward. I think that's important is, is uh, as you're, for anyone that's starting a construction project is not only looking at what the future value of that project is to give you an idea of, you know, what it'd be worth for, you know, for what you can get for construction funds, but also starting at the back and working, you know, starting at the end and working backwards. So for those either looking at maybe doing an addition or build or your mortgage agent uh, listening to this, is you want to focus on what that end is. Can they qualify for that future mortgage? Because like I said at the beginning, like my clients, for example, they're building to sell this property. But um, for somebody that's holding it, you want to refinance out. You want to pay out pillar at the end of the project. So you want to know that they can qualify for that mortgage. It's going to be challenging if these guys that I'm talking about uh, for my clients, as an example from last month, they're seven months in business. So we're qualifying them on their last six months bank statements. Um, that's not going to fly with an A bank. So if they're trying to get refinanced out with a, a green bank at the end of it, they're not going to qualify. So, you know, you want to make sure that you have and you set those expectations up front, especially in a raising rate environment like we're in, uh, like we've talked about, you know, rates going up and Bank of Canada kind of doing that future. If it's going to be a seven, 12 month build, you know, kind of looking at what is a, what does that qualifying maybe look like in the future. So just making sure your qual- your clients can qualify at the end of it um, and working backwards and then figuring out what, you know, what kind of funds they can get. But they have um, a really good program and one that, um, you know, not really anyone else does, uh, does extremely well. And I think, 
you know, for those that are going out shopping, even with Greg looking at maybe uh, something that's in rough shape um, and, and needing some updates, like I would imagine, I know this right now, there's a lot of inventory, but I imagine Greg, you've been out shopping last year when the market's going crazy, you probably saw a lot of places that clients are like, well, well, I don't have as, I don't have too much money or I don't have the money to do this big addition. I have enough for 20% down, but you know, I w- I'd like to do 200,000 addition, but I just can't manage it. I would imagine you probably always came across properties like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, depending on the buyer, I mean, most of my guys that I work with just tend to kind of want things done. <laughs> that, that's, they, they just want to walk into a home be like, Oh, paradise. There's nothing to do, but I do have yeah. a few who are looking at stuff and you know, it's, uh, yeah, this is, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause those, those of you that are even, you know, that are looking at, uh, at properties and saying, okay, well I have 20% down, but I don't have funds for, you know, doing an addition, that's where you can also leverage someone like Pillar. Um, you can get that addition done, you know, use them for that purchase. They can do that, you know, plus improvement, if you will, for that, you know, couple hundred K or whatever. And then again, refinance back out with your traditional bank afterwards. So you don't kind of have to be fully restricted on, on what type of property you're, you're interested in. Yeah, so that's, to- that's, that's very cool. Tony, I know people probably uh, have heard the term Terry on, like we deal with a lot of, uh, you know, Terry on licensed builders and so on. If someone is, again, they're building for themselves or like Dave's client who is a a contractor, they want to do it on their own. Can you just explain as well the difference between, you know, building with a Terry on license and building without one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I won't go into too much detail with Terion because obviously that's an entity in itself. Uh, the way we look at things, if it's a self-build or a contractor build and the client's going to live in the house or rent the house and they're going to stay there with for a year after completion, we don't require them to have Terion. It's when they are going to build to flip it or, you know, maybe three, four months after living in it, they're going to go ahead and sell it. That's when Ter- that's when they'll need to have Terion. Um, and again, there is a bit of a challenge, some lenders. So we've talked about exiting the client to a regular lending stream. At the beginning, it's important to note that you, you have to check your exit strategy and make sure that that lender doesn't require Terion. So um, a good builder, a good reputable builder usually has Terion. And I, on a personal front, you know, I think my own opinion is that Terion is a good thing because, you know, if you're looking at buying a home and one has Terion, one doesn't. You know, it just, to me, it's it's good to have that warranty. It's good to be able to have that level of protection. But some people self-build, they, they, they're they going to stay in the home. They know the home um, and that's their choice. But in terms of Terion, those are the parameters in which we look at it and uh, in which I think Terion looks at it too. I, I think in the, is it not um, kind of been put into law, at least in Ontario, that uh, if you're building for, to live in, occupy, or as a rental by law, you do not need Terion, but if it's for resale immediately by law, it has to have Terion. Yeah. And I think and, there's a misconception from a lot of There is a bit that. of a misconception there. And we try and point that out to the clients because I'm like, look, you know, if you're trying to buck the system, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, you can get caught. I mean, there's hotlines out there, there's snitch lines, you know, that kind of thing. So, and we, we've seen it happen before, not, you know, we've, we're trying to educate our clients as well. And that's, big part of construction financing through myself or through both you, uh, David and Paul is educating the client, making sure they're aware of everything and what they need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's like, I mean, if they, are, if, if you're building without Terry on, on the project, number one, someone like pillar is going to look for that warrant, like that you have Terry on registered on that property anyways. Um, 
you can look up Ontarian's website. You can look up any builder, uh, any numbered company, any project address to see if there's Terrion on it or registered. Um, so your bank that's doing that refinance, or if you're going and selling it and listing it. So if you're a realtor and you've got a builder that doesn't have Terrion and you go to list it, the bank that's doing that new financing on it, knowing that it was just built is going to go on Terrion's site and look up whether there's a warranty. And I've, I've had clients that have gotten declined. Like they won't, um, you know, uh, they, a Scotia won't finance it, you know, et cetera, um, as a new build, if they know there's not Terrion, cause they know by law that you're supposed to have this, exactly. um, and it's kind of that, like you said, that added protection, right? Yeah, and that's how we cover it off. And and you know, you 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 folks have more experience with the other other lenders out there in terms of what needs to be done. So um, all these yep. types of things they need to be sort of settled up before a shovel even hits the ground. Mm-hmm. And and what would you say some of the uh, pitfalls you see from um, I'd say from borrowers? Not I'm not going to say you know it being positioned properly with you from a, a mortgage, but from borrowers, what what pitfalls do you see from borrowers that They've been approved with you guys. They're going through a project. Uh, they're going through a build that they, you know, that what what you see is what happens to them that that slows down a project or uh, that you know becomes an issue during a build that that people should be cognizant of. Yeah, I mean, in terms of pitfalls, one of the things we like to do is address those right up front. So, in order to, you know. Again, there's the education component, making sure the client's aware of what they're getting into and really hammering down and qualifying that client so that, David, we can avoid a lot of the pitfalls. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, can they really afford to build this home? Everybody gets that, you know, they have that 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 property, that forever home that they want. Uh, and we want to make sure that they're well-educated. And that's a, a huge pitfall when people come to us mid-construction mid-construction where they thought that they can handle everything themselves and then you know they start to get into trouble Uh, a lot of the a lenders won't look at the build if it's in progress whereas we will so really educating the client i think education is the number one pitfall where clients don't understand what they're getting into so to be able to get that client sit them down be able to go through it with them and i know you 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 guys do that all the time and making sure that they know what's going on in terms of what to expect um, cash shortfalls or just budget shortfalls are another big pitfall, understanding the budget. So upfront, we want to make sure we hammer out all the financial details because once that build starts, the client doesn't think about the fine. They don't want to think about the financing aspect. They're mm-hmm. thinking about fixtures. They're thinking about the kitchen, the tile selections, all the things that go into the build and hoping the schedule's on and, oh, is weather going to delay this? So, uh, we make sure that, that we, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's when it comes to educating them and, and making sure all the financial stuff is in place and in order to, for them to move forward. Because uh, the other pitfall with that is the cash flow is making sure that the client has, you know, contingency funds to bridge the gap between draws. Because again, remember I said that the, the advances are based on percentage complete or work that's been done. And sometimes the clients will have to dip into their own resources to bridge that gap. And I recommend, you know, 25 to 30% of the overall construction cost, they have that money set aside. Um, but those are the big ones. I mean, you know, understanding your contractor, making sure you know who your contractor is mm. and understanding the conditions and their terms of their contract, uh, really digging into it, making sure that they do their due diligence on their contractor. As much as they do due diligence going to you folks to, to understand that, are you the mortgage broker or the agent that I want to use? They really have to hammer that down with their, with their, their builder as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I know we've talked about, Oh, go ahead, Greg. Oh, you can ask. 
Thanks for you're going to talk. Greg was going to speak. Do you find that, um, like, does that happen? I mean, I'm sure it doesn't happen frequently, but it happens. Like, people get halfway through a build, three quarters of a way through a build, and then it just it's not working well, and they just have to bail on the whole thing. Uh, no, not not from not if it's the get from the beginning. But yeah, there there's been times where uh, people have come to us mid construction, and that's when they've tried they've tried to take on too much for themselves and thought they okay. could handle things. And it does happen from time to time. Um, but we spend a lot of time there seeing what we can do to, to, to get them back on track, get them back into the groove and be able to finish whether they need to, you know, work, get money from us or refinance on their existing properties of that nature. When it comes to, you know, if things fall off with the builder, yeah, that's that that can be problematic. And a lot of times there's not much we can do there. I mean, uh, home builders are at a premium right now. It, it, you know, if you're mid construction and your builder uh, and you have issues with your builder, yeah, it's, it's there's a bit of a challenge there because what are you going to do to finish that? Mm -hmm. building? I mean, there's these contractors aren't sitting at the end of your driveway waiting to, to, to scoop up and, and you know save the day kind of thing. We're not there yet. The um, I, I will say, uh, Greg, I've, I've definitely seen it a number of times, uh, especially uh, going into the pandemic of people, you know, using savings or leveraging a HELOC on their existing home to build uh, or liquidating investments. But then when materials, you know, they're doing a self-build, meaning that they're the ones managing that project and they're hiring all the different sub-trades. They don't have necessarily the experience in managing a budget like that. They think that you know, your people. construction budget includes your, uh, your stove. Uh, so they go and get new brand new Viking ranges and, uh, and all that, that has nothing to do with any construction costs. And they're just, you know, that's, they're out to lunch, but, uh, they, you know, they go through savings and, and HELOC and, and then price of materials go up. You know, we saw the price of lumber go up and everything, you know, this past year. So even ones that I'm sure, Pillar, I'm sure pillar saw this a lot that throughout then of having to get, uh, the house, luckily, home, home prices were going up that they could get it reappraised and, and probably access, you know, additional funds to, to account for those raises. But I, I did see a number of clients come that uh, had started a project that were out of money and needing to find a solution. Um, you know, they, you know, but then in a case where they still owed back taxes because they couldn't, didn't file because they were using that, those funds to continue the project to even get through it and, you know, really up Schitt's Creek. Uh, and then, you know, really having to go even, you know, more private than what pillar is <laughs> um, to, to get that project finished. But, you know, really, I think the, the past, like where we saw an escalation in material costs for the past couple of years, and it kind of really come out of nowhere, if you will, you know, just like the pandemic did really come out of nowhere. Uh, material costs, I'm sure Tony, you could probably speak to this. You probably saw that a ton with a lot of your ongoing. And, and not just material pricing, not just the prices of materials going up, but availability. Uh, mm -hmm. Last spring, especially, uh, a lot of suppliers, when you look at roof systems and floor systems, plumbing fixtures, every, you know, it went into allocation. So if you're a small one-off builder, you know, it was a real challenge to find things. So I think if I circle back to when you're having that initial discussion with your client, make sure you talk to them about talking to their contractor and say, look, if we're going to do this build and we're going to set a schedule, you know, whether it be two, three months out, what are the, what is the likelihood that we're going to not run into any shortfalls with, you know, how is your allocation? Where, where are we going to, you know, source the materials? You know, there's nothing worse than getting a foundation in and then not realizing you can't get floor joists. So uh, that making sure, again, it's just attention to detail and, and making sure your contractor 
has that attention to detail or the builder has that attention to detail and that, you know, you don't stall the build because all of a sudden you can't get something. I mean, there's always going to be delays. There's going to be things that, that come up. That's just the nature of, of construction and building. But if you can try and mitigate that as much as possible, it'll, it'll make things run smoother. Yeah. I think that's, uh, <clears throat> I think that's important. You know, my, uh, Whenever I'm working with anyone on a construction project, I always provide them in that initial conversation. Um, Pillar has a great, and we'll we'll post, uh, we'll we'll share it in the uh, you know on the on the YouTube link um, or description. But but a um, a PDF that shows the draw points, so the percentages mm -hmm. to completion. So any early conversation, um, provide provide that to them. That way, when you're out speaking to your contractor, you can you can show them. Okay, this is what each you know stage along the way is worth X. Like. Tony said, you know, uh, digging the foundation, pouring the foundation, uh, weeping tile and backfill, it's worth 12%. So 12% of your funds. So if you're fun, if you're getting a million dollars, every 1% worth 10,000, you know, you break it all down. And so, you know, then you're getting 120,000 for that foundation. You can kind of keep going. Um, so it's, it's kind of breaking that down and, and having those early conversations that you as the borrower also understand what you need to be doing in order to get funds and what is being allocated to what. Cause like you said, I think kind of, otherwise you do get in those situations like Greg, like uh, people running out of money. Cause you're just not paying attention to what, what's mm -hmm. there. And, and as time goes on that um, the, le the more, when you see projects stalled or not going anywhere, it's because a lot of times they're with a major bank and they're between draw points. They don't like the major banks don't care if you're stuck at 20% complete or at 50% complete, they'll only advance you money when you're at that 65 or at that 35. Yep. So um, it's, it's really understanding that. And, and so that you can keep moving through that project as, uh, as quickly as possible. But, and how, how much information do you require to, you know, make sure that you know exactly where the build is at? Like if someone's saying they're at 50% complete, what do you need from that well, person? That, that's when we'll send the appraiser back out. So before okay. we advance any funds, we do a progress inspection. So the appraiser is going to go back out and it's not a full appraisal like he did from the start or he or she does from the start, but they'll go back out. They'll take a look to ensure that, you know what, the foundation is actually there before we advance on the foundation. They'll go back out to inspect. Yes, the framing's done. It's now, you know, the roof on, it's actually been shingled. Uh, so they'll report back to us, which, you know, within 48 hours, we're uh, sending funds to the client's lawyer and they can continue on. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's that we need to do that from a risk perspective as well. So, and how many, how many appraisers do you have like on staff basically? We don't use staff. We, we, okay. we have an approved appraiser list on our website. So, you know, there's, there's pages of depends. We, we have a bunch all over Ontario that we can use. So you just sort of tailor to the region. And I mean, as, as David and, and Paul can attest, I mean, the challenge these days still is, is finding an appraiser that can be yeah. done in a timely fashion. I think that's, that's why Greg was and asking. That's why I asked the question. Cause I just <laughs> assumed that you just must've had a couple of guys that are like ready to go. Yeah. Well, we have an appraised list, uh, you know, we have an approved list and those appraisers are, are well-versed in how to look at not just, you know, looking right. at a home, but being able to interpret plans and be able to put future value because that's where, you know, that that as if complete, that's a future value. The risk is okay. Are we going to get to that future value? So um, they are well knowledgeable, uh, well versed in, in doing that type of uh, appraisal for us. And, and typically we'll use that same appraiser. So, you know, the one that does, or, or you always want to, they'll know, they know the project. You don't want to be switching appraisers throughout a project. So the appraiser that does that future value, they already know the plans. They know what's supposed to be built. And so 
you know, they're, they already know where the project is. So, you know, when you're doing those project, those draws, your broker's just calling that same appraiser. They're going out, they already know they've been out there maybe less than a month ago. And so they, you know, they can quick, they're on site quickly. They already know the foreman that's there, you know, they've already been introduced. So it's, it's really is a quick process. And they're just taking that template that that pillar has that we provide up front of like, okay, this is what each draw is worth or each step along the way. This is what plumbing's worth. This is what electrical rough in is worth final electrical. And they're just going through and, and analyzing the project and comparing their past, their last report and notes to that updated. And like I said, you know, within a day, they're getting us that report. We're flipping into pillar and, and funds getting released. But um, yeah, it's something where it is like pretty quick. Like if you're getting somebody new out, then it's like a long process. They're not sure. You know, maybe you're getting, wires are getting crossed because they're not you know familiar with the project but you kind of use that same person from start to finish and it really does make for a, a cool. quicker and more seamless process yeah makes sense. yeah so, obviously the uh that part's one of the most integral because you know it's a lot that's that's what the money's relying on and <clears throat> end of the day you want you want that money as quickly as well, possible yeah. well yeah you want the money and it's not like you can just make the call and being like tony we're at fifty percent. Send me my cash. I use that analogy. We're at, we're at eighty percent right? now. Yeah, that, that pot of cash at the end of the driveway because that's the, the common misconception on a construction loan. So, yeah, mitigating risk and but at the same time making sure that we get the money to where it needs to go. That's it's a balancing act for sure. And from um, from all of our experience, I think we can all say like plan properly from the beginning, like get someone to actually manage the project for you, get a notable, like, you know, experienced contractor to do the work. Uh, don't try to, as Dave said, don't try to manage it yourself to save the, you know, whatever it is, $10,000 or $15,000. Like it's going to cause you many headaches, many delays, probably more in interest and payments and yeah. everything else. Right. So just do it right from the beginning. It's funny how, you know, a self-build can go off the rails. Now, we just don't allow anybody to do a self-build. We will we'll mm -hmm. absolutely qualify that person. And I have the experience to know if, you know, do you know enough about what you're doing in order to do that? Because you're absolutely right. Uh, trying to save that 10 grand can cost you 30 because, mm -hmm. you, you know, and there was a case where, uh, and we kind of went, we took over the, the, the process for a mid build and, you know, the framing package showed up and blocked the concrete truck to be able to pour the foundation. So these things, if you don't have the proper skill set for this, it can, it can actually cost you money in the long run. And it's, you know, the whole point of doing coming to us is you're not going to attract builder. You are saving money, but you know, you have to line things up properly as, as Paul says. Yeah. We actually had uh, I know I had a client that was a contractor as well. And this is probably four or five years ago now, maybe even longer. I don't remember exactly, but uh, we sent you a list of everyone that was going to be working on the project. Like, you know, yeah. this is the framer and their experience. This is the Tyler and their experience. Cause you, it's a self build. So like, show us that you know what you're doing. Right? Show us that, exactly. Show us, yeah. you know what you're doing or that the people you're hiring know what they're doing and, and we'll go from there. I mean, you know, somebody who's, who's maybe, worked a job that has no experience in construction whatsoever. They might be project management, but that, you know, in order to understand, you have to understand the process and that's just not enough. So we definitely will, we'll make sure that the that people doing self builds know what they're doing before we'll allow it to happen. Now, what if you've watched a lot of HGTV? Does that qualify you as yeah. uh... a, <laughs> You know what? It's funny. We get a lot of questions. And, and uh, years ago, years ago, I, somebody gave me the Mike Holmes on Holmes book. And I'm like, 
I hope you're not insulted. I said, no, absolutely. I want to know what the clients are out there and what they're reading and what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, there's a lot, you know, a house being built in 30 minutes on the show. You just don't realize <laughs> what goes, the lineup yes. of trades down the street and how long it takes. And, and, you know, David, Paul and, and, and Greg, you guys have been doing a podcast, you know, about editing and stuff like that. So yeah, no, that doesn't, Somebody watching an HGTV special doesn't qualify them to build a house. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, listen, Tony, we really appreciate you coming on and obviously uh, giving a little bit of background as to Pillar and, and kind of that construction process. I think for any of you listening, whether you're a mortgage agent, a realtor, borrower, I mean, don't be dismayed. You know, kind of sounds more complicated sometimes than it is. Um, just, you know, really reach out to, um, you know, like Tony said, a, a mortgage professional that knows this space and they'll be able to help guide you and provide you that those details up front and, and be able to, you know, really then pass that information along to someone like Greg that, you know, can help you find that lot or that property that, you know, an area that you're looking at building and, and, you know, help you acquire that property that, you know, tear down and build that dream. But um, it's really important to work with professionals and, and lenders like pillar that really know what they're doing. Um, Cause it is, there's a big difference between, some like them and your, your traditional bank with just, you know, regular, an advisor that, you know, is helping that's never done construction before and doesn't know yeah. that process. And, and, uh, it really does sewer, you know, to save a couple thousand ends up sewering your entire project and costing you tens or even hundreds of thousands. It's the classic people cutting corners. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ending up in a nightmare. For yeah, sure. exactly. Well, Paul, should we uh, get in the mood boost? Yes. Tony, you've probably, I know you, I know you've listened to the show, so you probably uh, know that we do mood boosts at the end of each episode, a couple, couple jokes, get people on the right track for their day. We actually had a few people, uh, we had one comment last week. He said, can you guys please release the show earlier so I can listen to it on the way to work? Oh, and to him, yeah. I say, listen to it on the way home. <laughs> no. No, we actually, we, we, the reason why we did that too is because we know everyone, like a lot of podcasts do release them first thing in the morning. So we wanted to, to actually release it at a separate time so that, uh, you know, people can, can kind of stagger their, uh, their listening. So, um, so I have four today, maybe five. We'll see how the first few hit again. Um, number one, why do bees have sticky hair? Oh, that's a good one. Because they use a honeycomb. Uh, yes. Use a honeycomb. Yes. Mm. Well, those are uh, bad jokes for sure, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I had someone ask me, "Is this pool safe for driving?" I said, "It depends." <laughs> uh, this is one of my personal favorites. Once upon a time, there was a king who was only twelve inches tall. He was a terrible king, but he made a great ruler. <laughs> and uh I'll, I'll end on this one number four what does a thesaurus eat for breakfast synonym toast crunch oh yes synonym toast crunch yes wow 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 great stuff i liked it <laughs> uh thank you to tony uh for coming on thank you to pillar as well for being such a great partner of ours uh, for educating us always and, and all the agents in the industry. Uh, thank you to North Brew, northbrewcoffee.ca. Uh, if you use a promo code podcast, they're going to give you 20% off your coffee order. Uh, and also, if you're listening, please subscribe. Please like, please review, share, comment. Be Sharon, shout out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll be shout back every, next week. Every show. 
Uh, have a safe and happy Canada Day as well for everyone who's listening. And uh, we'll be back next Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Thanks, everyone. Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that. Thank you.